0: All right, if you guys want, we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 14, so go ahead and go there. 1 Corinthians 14, and we're going to be starting in verse 37. While you guys are turning there, I'm going to check in with Lauren, and we are good. All right, we're going to read uh, these two verses here. In 1 Corinthians 14, notice in verse 37 and 38. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he tells them, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. So uh, we've been going through this series, The Commandments of the Lord. This is part eight. And we're gonna. These are, I wanted to kind of do some closing thoughts and wrap up um, from all the things that we've gone over thus far. Uh, we'd like to welcome those of you who are joining us on Facebook, um, online, whether it's at a later date on YouTube. Uh, as always, we encourage you to grab your Bible. Uh, a pen or a pencil so you can write down the Bible verses so you can go back and check them at a later time. Also write down any questions that you might have. And I encourage you as the Bereans in Acts 17, 11, to receive the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures. What are these things are so? So you shouldn't take anything that I take to the bank. You shouldn't take any preacher or pastor what they say. You should trust what the Word of God says every time. Um, and also, uh, if, if you see the value in what we're doing, I also encourage you to like, comment, share, uh, so that others can kind of partake in this. I mean, the whole entire reason why we're gathering here is, one, that all men be saved, and two, that all men come unto the knowledge of the truth. And how do you get saved? It's simply trusting in the gospel of Christ. According to 1 Corinthians 15, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried in the rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. If you believe Christ died for your sins, paid for in full, bloodshed on the cross, that's all you have to do. You might not even realize it. You're saved just like that. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's what the Word of God tells us. It's a free gift. So, um, tonight is... Part 8, right? Commandments of the Lord. We just read uh, Paul telling the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 14 that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So in part 1, we addressed what is a commandment? And it was simply a God-given command that requires obedience. And if you don't obey, sin comes, and then sin comes results in death. Uh, In part two, we address, did Peter and Paul receive the same commandments? No, they did not. They received a different set of commandments by the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 10, 5, and 6, Jesus Christ commanded Peter and the 12 to go not into the way of the Gentiles. In Acts 9, Christ said, Saul a man that was persecuting and throwing these 12 and any that was following him in prison, slaughtering them. He says, this guy is my chosen vessel unto the Gentiles. So they received different commandments by God. Peter and the 12 go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Paul, well, he went to kings. He went to the children of Israel and he went to the Gentiles. He was the only man in the scriptures where in Romans 11 says that Paul says, I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify mine office. So they did not receive the same commandments. Part three, why did God make two gospels? We answer that question. Saul was Paul, the apostle Paul, before he was apostle Paul was Saul. He committed that blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. And Christ tells us in the book of Matthew, you do that, you're not going to have forgiveness in this world nor in the world to come. So God had to do something different, and that's what he did with Saul. He revealed to him the mystery of Christ, which was kept secret, hidden God before the foundation of the world, and appointed him as the apostle of the Gentiles, the apostle to the body of Christ. Okay? Um, in part four, we went over what is the difference between the gospel of the kingdom, what is the gospel of the Christ? gospel of the kingdom is what this whole entire Bible is pretty much about. Eighty percent of the books in your Bible are all about the Gospel of Kingdom. It's Christ's coming to reign as King on Earth forever. Period. Gospel of Christ is what was revealed to Paul: the bloodshed and the cross. You believe in that? You've now obtained an inheritance in heavenly places. It's not the it's not uh, Earth that you're inheriting, which led into Part Five: Who's inheriting the Earth? The children of Israel. Who's inheriting Heaven? The Body of Christ. Two very different programs. And in part six, we address living under the law versus living under the grace. Living under the law and following the Peter, it was a performance-based system. If you do this, then you will get it, right? If you endure until the end, then you shall be saved. If you do not endure until the end, you will not be saved. But with Paul, we have under grace. You can't do anything in your flesh to please God. You can't be a righteous person. You can't live a righteous life. You can't be a good person. You can't do mighty deeds and wonders. Well, you might think you're doing these things, but there's nothing that you can do to earn favor with God because our righteousness is filthy rags in the sight of God Almighty. That's what Isaiah tells us. And then part seven, we addressed, is the house of Israel and the body of Christ the same thing? No, they are not the same thing. And so tonight, I want to just kind of wrap this series up with some closing thoughts from all of those things. And I've been stewing on it for a while. You know, I've been writing down these things like, you know what, I really wish I would have said this. Well, now I'm able to kind of get to that part so I can kind of wrap everything up. So here's what I want to kind of hammer home tonight. Uh, The Bible means what it says where it says it, and to whom it says it to. Alright, I'll say that again. The Bible means exactly what it says, where it says it, to who it says it to. And I believe, I strongly believe, the source of all confusion amongst churches today is ignorance of the Word and how the Lord instructs us to study His Bible according to 2 Timothy 2.15, which is rightly divide the word of truth. And if you don't have the right Bible, you're not going to see rightly divide the word of truth. You're going to miss it. And uh, you were in 1 Corinthians 14. Notice in verse uh, 33, for God is not the author of confusion but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So we know God is not the author of confusion. Well then, who is the author of confusion? Satan. Satan Satan is the source of any type of confusion that you might have when it comes to things that are spiritual and in this world and how things were intended to be and how man is choosing to go in the exact opposite direction. So, if there is confusion, guess what? It's not God. It's coming straight from Satan. So, bottom line, if you do not know how to rightly divide the word of truth, you need to learn how to rightly divide the word of truth. So, let's turn to 2 Timothy 2.15. In 2 Timothy, Paul is getting nearing the end of his um, apostleship, and he is now preparing Timothy to kind of take over the reins. Um, and in verse 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, Paul tells Timothy, Study, Timothy, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So first off, he tells him, Study you got to study. Study. What is study? Do I need to explain study to people? We spend 12 to 24 years. The average person spends 12 to 24 years in this educa- educational system that we have, preparing to live a life that's going to generate income for them to sustain them for the rest of their, their earthly life in here. Right? This time span is anywhere from 60 to 80 years or 100, right? The question is, why, when it comes to spiritual things, to where we're spending eternity, why isn't our spiritual education a priority? I'm just asking a question. I'm not looking for an answer. But it's something that we need to think about just where we're at and and for the people that are around us, you know. And so, how do you study? God tells you right here. You rightly divide the word of truth. Note, we are not dividing truth from lies. That's the big thing that we need to realize. We're not separating truth from lies. We're separating truth from truth. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, according to 2 Timothy 3.16. All God spoke all these words. He had man write them down. All of it's truth. But there are truth that is true for you, and there's truth that's not for you. That's what we do when it's rightly dividing the word of truth. So I'm going to show you. Your Bible, if we were to lay it out on a timeline, you've got Genesis over here, you've got Revelation over here. This is the how to rightly divide. When you get to the New Testament, if we were to literally kind of do it proportionally, it would be like right here. When you look at all of the pages of the book, this is where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John take place. All of this right here, the Bible means what it says, where it says it, to whom it says it. Over here, God is saying things to the nation of Israel, and He's speaking to the nation of Israel. We're talking about a physical, literal, human group of people here on the earth, a nation, Israel. Gentiles is everybody else. When we get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, God is still dealing with the nation Israel. There's nothing that's changed. You go and read in your Bible, it says, speak these words unto the house of Israel, the God of Israel, speaking to the children of Israel. It isn't rock and science, but this is what God is dealing with over here. And then when you get to the book of Acts, we see something happen. Something changes. Something we haven't really ever seen before. And it is the apostle Paul is finally being risen up. And God is saying, hey, look, right now I want you to kind of, I'm going to show you some things. And when we read Romans 2 Philemon, Christ speaks through Paul and says in 2 Corinthians 12, I will come unto visions and revelations of the Lord. He was downloading over a 30-year period of time in the book of Acts, the revelation of the mystery of Christ. So when we get to Romans through Philemon, this is where we get the Apostle Paul. I've told you time and time again, there's only 13 books in your Bible that start with the same word. Paul, 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 Paul. 13 times. It's Paul's epistles. You go on, you read uh, in 2 Thessalonians 3, uh, 16 or 17, Paul tells that this is a token, my name. He literally signed his name on those letters so that we would know the apostle of the Gentiles said, hey, this is my letter to you. So when you get to the book of Hebrews and it doesn't start with Paul, you know Paul didn't write that book. Um, now, Paul, the apostle of the Gentiles, he's our apostle. He's the one that's teaching us how we ought to live and act and have our being in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that gives us our doctrine. Now, I'm not saying for one moment that we throw out the rest of the Bible and we don't read Genesis through Acts or Hebrews through Revelation. That is not at all what I'm saying. As a matter of fact, you need to know all those things. But Paul, in the same, um, in 2 Timothy, notice in verse 7, 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 7. Paul tells Timothy, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. So, Timothy, he's telling Timothy, Timothy, read everything, read all my epistles, Romans 2, Philemon. When you get in that, you're going to understand your identity, who you are in Christ, how uh, we've been given this ministry of reconciliation, and it's going to tell you how you need to live. And it's going to make all of the other scriptures make sense. That's what he's telling them there. It unlocks the Bible in a way that makes sense, and it doesn't contradict itself. So, um, I lost track of thought where I was going with that. Um, So, we're we're talking about the how-to. So, this is your letters. This is where you get... All of your information, Romans to Philemon, the apostle of the Gentiles, speaking to us Gentiles today. Right now, as a matter of fact, there are no Jews or Gentiles. God isn't dealing with the nation. He's dealing with the individual. And there's going to be a time where Christ will come on the clouds. The body of Christ is going to be caught up together with those that are asleep in Christ and those who are on the earth that remain, and we're going to be joined with the Lord, and we're going to be up with the Lord forever. Then God's going to continue His prophetic dealings with the nation of Israel, because there's a ton of prophecy over here that's not been fulfilled. And I guarantee you, it's going to be fulfilled right over here. And that's when it's not going to be a great time on this earth. The wrath of God is coming. Right now, we've been delivered from the wrath of God. Twice, Paul tells in his epistles, we've been delivered from wrath. So if you're saved and you're in Christ, you don't got to worry about this stuff, okay? Now, um, closing thoughts. There's some three things I want to address why it's so important you understand how to rightly divide the word of truth. So what I just laid out, you know, when you're in Genesis through Acts, you know God is speaking to Israel, okay? That's who he's speaking to. It's all truth, and he means every single word of it. All that's truth. When you get to Romans 2, Philemon, you can rest assured that's your apostle. That's the guy that God sent to you and that you're supposed to take what he says and live in faith and obedience to what the commandments of the Lord were given to him. Because those commandments of the Lord were given to you through the apostle Paul. That's how it works. It doesn't work that Christ gives all these things to Peter and the 12, and they say, hey, don't give that which is holy to dogs. Don't give that which is holy to Gentiles. He's saying, don't take these words over here and give it to Gentiles. And what are people doing today? They're taking these words over here, and they're putting on a platter for their congregations to devour, and they literally think that they are Israel. And that's not that's not your spiritual armor. Okay, Your armor comes from Paul over here. It's just like if you go and read, I and mean, this is going to make a point. I'm not saying you don't read all this, but you can go and read about David trying to put on Saul's armor, right? And it didn't really fit. He's like, I can't, I can't wear this. That same principle applies. You can't put on and claim things in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and then try and live them out today. I can speak from experience because it doesn't work. I tried. I tried for eight years and man, it was a train wreck. You know, Nobody's able to keep those things in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Why? Because it was exceeding the law of Moses. And uh, yes, you go and read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you read the Sermon on the Mount. nobody's doing it. Um, and if you think that you are, you're lying to yourself. OK? Um, so the three things I want to hit on is Satan, false brethren and the dangers. Of not rightly dividing the word of truth, so let's hit. Um, let's start with Satan. Let's go to Second Corinthians chapter. Second uh, Corinthians chapter eleven. In Second Corinthians chapter eleven, let's read verses three and four. But I fear. Paul is speaking here. We're in 2 Corinthians. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom ye we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. So, in this passage, we're reading about Satan. He's described as the serpent. And how is he operating? His subtlety. He's subtle. And in verse 4, there is a person preaching another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel. So the question is, are there another Jesuses that people are preaching? Absolutely. Is that the same spirit? no it's another spirit is that the same gospel no it's a different gospel you know i was talking with someone today false apostles false uh prophets false teachers they don't just come out and say hey guess what i'm a false apostle and i'm gonna i'm gonna give you some false teachings here right now so get ready to receive it (laughs) no they don't do that and as a matter of fact. The Bible talks that they are deceived and being deceived. They don't even know it. I bet they are probably some. Some of them, they might be well-intentioned and have a good heart, but they just don't know. But then there's the other ones that are straight up. I'm telling you, it's just straight up evil, wicked. They know what they're doing. Um, There is a movie, Smallfoot. And there is a scene there where um, the guy that was the keeper of the stones says, you'd be surprised what people believe if you tell them. And I'm telling you what, that it's, that's a true saying, because some people take what these preachers, these quote-unquote apostles and prophets, they take it to the bank, as if it's the Word of God. But we know through the Scriptures that the Word of God has been fulfilled through the Apostle Paul. It's complete. God isn't prophesying anymore today. Prophecy was something that God did through the nation of Israel. We've got the complete book here, and we know what's going to happen as unfolding, and it's just there, ready for you to dig in and get out what the truth of God is doing today and what He's going to do in the days to come. Um, jump to verse 14, or 13, 14, and 15 in the same chapter. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light therefore it be no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to the works so Paul's talking about false apostles what are they doing they're deceitful workers and Satan here is described not as a angel that's red and has got a horns and a pitchfork no he looks like an angel of light he looks like God he looks godly and who are they doing all this stuff in the name of Jesus they're doing these things in the name of Jesus people it's we're not talking about you know the people that fly out say Church of Satan <laughs> okay no they're doing these things in the name of Jesus and you need to be aware of this. And if you're not in the Word, the only way that... I had someone ask, you know, ask me the question the other day, how do you know? How do you identify it? The only way you're going to be able to identify it is through the Scriptures. Through a King James Bible. That's the only way you're going to be able to identify it. I take that back. You can identify it through some of these other watered-down versions. you know. But if you really want the 100% pure Word of God, you need a King James Bible. Okay? Um, and that's speaking from my own personal experience. I recognize these things. I read on the NIV for seven years. I knew about some things in it that weren't right. But once I started diving into all the other translations, modern translations, they take out the same verses. They take out the same words. And it's almost like science where they change it. Okay. And uh, you want the pure word of God, you need the King James Bible. That's just a side note. Um, so we've addressed Satan, his MO. He's war- working as an angel of light. He's got people doing in the name of Jesus, and they are deceitful, false apostles, false teachers, false preachers. Now, false brethren. I want to jump into that, okay? Um, you're in 2 Corinthians. Notice in verse... Second uh, uh, Corinthians 11. Notice in verse 26. I'm not going to read everything because Paul is kind of giving his little bit of a testimony of what he's been through for, the, for Christ. And... Uh, He's talking about all the beatings and everything, and in verse 26, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. So, if you don't learn how to rightly divide, and you don't understand the word of truth and how that operates, you're going to be putting yourself In proximity, potentially for false brethren. What do false brethren do? How do they work? How do you identify them? What are they trying to do? Turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. In Galatians 2, notice in verse 4. Paul writes, And that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus. Why would they do that? Do that. Notice in the next words, that they might bring us into bondage. Okay? In context here, there was a group of Jews that were spying on Paul and his ministry, spying out the liberties in Christ, and what they were doing is they were actually trying to go where Paul was and say, hey, look, you can't just be saved by grace. You've got to be circumcised by the law of Moses, okay? In context, that's what we read, okay? But there are churches, and I'm telling you, it's across all over the world today. There are people that are literally taking these things of the law and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and saying, Hey, yeah, you are saved by grace, but you got to do this. But you got to do that. There's always a but. They'll say, You know what? Christ died for your sins on the cross. He was buried and rose again the third day. They'll say that, but then there's always the but. You got to be water baptized. You got to give everything you have to the poor. You got to tithe. You got to fill in the blank. Okay? You got to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I can keep going on and on and on with these things that they add. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to frustrate the grace of God. That's what it is. You're frustrating the grace of God. You're not receiving that free gift. You are uh, well, just go to uh, Galatians one, go to Galatians one, just turn back a page. Uh, notice in verse seven. Oh, we'll start in verse six. Paul says, "I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto what? Another gospel, which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Everything that I was just telling you, Christ died for his sins of the cross, he was buried rose again the third day, yeah, 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 but fill in the blank, that's a perversion of the gospel. Okay? That's what that is, and you need to be mindful and you need to be careful and watch out for it. Alright? Um, go to First Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Why do you need to be careful? Why do you need to watch out for these guys? Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3 through 10. If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. These are guys that are teaching stuff contrary to Paul. They're denying his apostleship, they're denying his letters, they're denying his words. Verse 4, He is proud, knowing nothing, but dotting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therefore be, uh, with, therefore with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierce themselves with many sorrows. So Paul is talking about these men. Men of quote unquote God. Deceitful workers. They appear to be ministers of righteousness. They deny Paul's words. And they believe that godliness, they, and gain, they, be, and in verse, was it, it? Verse five. Supposing that gain is godliness. Oh, look at all the numbers coming into our church. Oh, look at all the giving. It's up. Right? Our our numbers are up. We're growing, and all these things. Supposing that God, that gain is godliness, they su- they suppose that thing. And Paul says, no, that's not it at all. That's not it at all. It's the exact opposite. But godliness, godliness with contentment is great gain. Okay. Um, you know, these are things that, quite honestly, I don't think you hear enough conversations about it. I don't think anybody wants to to talk about these types of things. Um, But you got to beware. You got to beware. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. uh, Verse. uh, I might have a bad reference here. Chapter 3. 13. 13 for 13 Uh, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived this ties into what i was saying earlier you might have someone that is a preacher a teacher they might some of them might have good intentions but some of them don't what's happening to them They are waxing worse and worse. Things are always going to get worse as we continue to head towards Christ coming on the clouds. And they are deceiving people, and they themselves are being deceived. By who? God is not the author of confusion. It's all coming straight from Satan. That's what's happening today in the world. Um, Romans 16, 18. Let's go there. Uh, Romans 16, 17, and 18. Paul's closing, wrapping up his letter to the Romans. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. I'm not going to spend too much on this, but other than the point, hitting the point is that. There are men that are teaching things contrary to Paul's doctrine. If you haven't learned Paul's doctrine, you're not going to know what those those things are. So you need to learn Paul's doctrine. Read Romans 2 Philemon. It is so quick. I'm telling you, you can read those books over and over and over. But you need to learn Paul's doctrine. Why? So that you can now be aware and be able to identify people that are teaching things contrary to what Paul wrote. Why? Why? Because in verse 18, they serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. They serve their own belly. They serve the God, the little God of this world, Satan. And how are they doing these things? How are they deceiving the simple? By good words and fair speeches. By spiritual words, quote-unquote. They are intellectual. They are charismatic. They can... Say words to persuade you in a way that I'm calling bewitched. Go with me to Galatians chapter 3. They're bewitching you to not obey the truth. Okay? Um, verse, uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish, Gal- foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ had been evidently set forth, crucified among you. So, let's talk about the Galatians. They knew the gospel of Christ. They knew Christ died on the cross for their sins, was buried and rose again the third day according to scriptures. And we have these Jews that are coming in and drawing them, hey, you need to come back under the law of Moses. You need to still keep all the commandments of Moses, right? And they were going, they were actually drawing themselves away from the grace of Christ. They're like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, I need to, I need to do all these things in the law, right? I need to go observe and keep these commandments and ordinances. And Paul tells them, Oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Do you guys know what the word bewitched means? This was something that I just wanted to kind of pull up the dictionary and read it, because it's a powerful word, okay? Uh, Bewitched, I'm going to give you three definitions. Definition number one, bewitched means ignorant people being inclined to ascribe to evil spirits what they could not account for. Definition two, to charm, to fascinate to please to such a degree as to take away the power of resistance. And then, uh, third one, to deceive and mislead by juggling tricks or imposture. Wow. This is deeply personal to me because I've shared my testimony quite some times and how I was really deep into the Signs and Wonders movement, is what I call it. And in 2012, uh, I went out to Redding, California to a church, okay, and it was um, uh, just out of respect, I'm not going to say the church name, uh, you know what, I'm going to say it anyways, Bethel, Redding, California, and um, this is the hub of one of the massive worship groups uh, today in our country, Jesus cultures there, and they have an apostle And I can't remember his name. I want to say it's Bill Johnson. He is literally their apostle. And he has prophets underneath him. And at that time, there was something called a glory cloud. Okay, And this glory cloud was supposed to be the manifestation of the presence of God in the room. Well, let me tell you, I was there and I saw what happened. And what it was, was I was looking up at these spotlights hitting dust. Apparently, it was gold dust. And I'm telling you, you could see the masses. This pa- place was packed, a huge auditorium, and they literally were in awe of this thing. And the thing running through my head is like, wait a second, wait a second. Uh, if this truly was the manifest presence of God, I can read the Old Testament that sons of Israel fell on their face before God. It wasn't something that they could go, whoo, ha, and quite, and the other thing running through my head is Paul says, you're, do you, do you not know that you're a temple of the Holy Ghost, right? The Spirit of God lives inside you. If you have trusted in Christ, you've received that free gift of salvation, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to say, God, come fill this place, or I want to seek your presence, because He's already here, okay? Uh, There's something that is just, it is running rampant today, this whole entire idea or notion that you need to seek the presence of God. Where are they getting it? It's scriptural. James. Draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh unto you, right? That's where it is. Matthew, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So people are taking things, spiritual truth, that's not for you, and they're trying to apply it to themselves and claim things in the scripture that's not theirs. And you need to learn how to rightly divide the word of truth. That's the point of the message tonight. Um, So, uh, let's keep reading. We're in Galatians 3. Um, this is going We're gonna go a little. We normally do thirty minutes. I still got a lot of closing thoughts, so I'm sorry. We're gonna go. Keep going. So uh, we'll roll with it. And if, if you're still online and join us, well, keep keep listening, or you can you know do your thing. Uh, Galatians three. I want to read verses eight through fourteen. Paul's writing. He says, "And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before." The gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then which so then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So we're reading. Paul is saying There are many, in verse 10, that are of the works of the law. What are the works of the law? You get over here. Genesis, all the way through Acts. It is God speaking to Israel. And what does he say? They're under a curse. Here's another good word that we should kind of dig and open up. What is a curse? Well, that word, under the curse... And I don't really like going to Greek that much, but this is one instance where I went. It's uh, katara. And it's execration, imprecation, curse. I'm like, okay, great. Now I need to learn what these other words are. So what is uh, execration? That is the act of cursing. It's a curse pronounced. It's an imprecation of evil, utter detestation expressed. I'm like, okay, great. Now, what's imprecation? I don't know what that word means. All right, well, let's look that up. It's invoking evil on in one. It's a prayer that a curse or a calamity might fall on anyone. Uh, then we get into the definition of curse. It's an affliction. It's torment. It's great vexation. It's condemnation. It's the sentence of divine vengeance on sinners. Right? Cursed be those that are cut off from God. And cursed, it's afflicted, it's vexed, tormented, blasted by a curse, devoted to destruction, hateful, detestable, abominable. So these are powerful words that a curse is. And what did Paul say? If you're doing works right now, and you're doing it by out of obedience for your salvation, what's it say? You're under a curse. It's torment. I've been there. Man, it is exhausting. You're always questioning, am I saved? Am I going to be saved? Because that's what happens when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and you read Hebrews through Revelation. Peter and them were always asking themselves, who shall be saved? Three times in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they say, who then can be saved? Because this is crazy. This program is crazy. With God and with man, it's impossible. With God... All things are possible. That's what uh, Christ told them. So, if you do not know how to rightly divide the word of truth, you're going to think the following. You must do the following, alright? I'm going to list all these things, and we're not going to go there for the sake of time. You're going to think that you're going to have to repent and be water baptized to be saved. Why would you think that? Well, when you get to Acts 2, Peter (laughs) in context, you can go and read Acts 2, is speaking these things to who? Ye men of Israel. Ye men of Israel. What should we do? Ye men of Israel, repent and be be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and thou shalt receive the Holy Ghost. If you don't understand rightly dividing, you're going to think that you need to do that that to be saved. You're going to think that you need to confess your sins to be saved. Why? Because when you get the first John... Who's writing to the twelve tribes of Israel? When you read First John, where he tells you to confess your sins, well, you're going to think, you know what, I need to confess my sins. You know, why don't we need to do that? Well, we're in Galatians 3, let's keep reading. Verse 11, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from what? The curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of Spirit through works. No, through faith. Okay? What did we just read? Christ became a curse for us on that tree. He took all of those curse, cursings in the Old Testament, the everything that we was punishable by death, sin. He took that on him. He shed his blood for us, paid for in full. And that, there are things that happen today. And I was talking with someone, you know, today. Oh, these things are happening to me because you know of my circumstance. No. You're not being cursed by God because you're not living a God life form or you're not li- you're living a life form or you're not living a life form, right? Is there a problem? Sorry, I'm getting distracted. Um, so, Christ redeemed us from that curse on the cross. Um, he paid for all the sins. We've been forgiven of all of them. Uh, if you don't rightly divide the word of truth, you're going to think that you need to say the sinner's prayer to be saved. Guess what? Sinner's prayer is not even in the Bible, so I can't even point to that truth in, the, in there. Um, you're going to think that you need the tithe or God is going to withhold blessings from your life. Why would you think that? Well, when you read Malachi, that's what it says. It's truth. That's, God meant what he was saying because he was speaking to Israel. But today, we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. We have everything that we need in Christ. We're complete in him. So, you're going to try and put on spiritual armor that's not yours. If you don't learn how to rightly divide, you're going to think that you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Okay, I can't even find that one in the scriptures. So, when you do, go ahead, message me. I'd love to see where you find making Jesus the Lord of your life in the scriptures. You're going to think that you need to seek the presence. Why? Because in Matthew 18, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them, right? That's truth. That's what Christ told them. And in James, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw none unto you. Well, those are truth, but that's truth for Israel. It's not dealing with Gentiles. Why? Because we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Because God has sealed us with that Holy Spirit of promise under the day of redemption. We can't get rid of the Holy Ghost if we wanted to. It's not leaving us. And man, that gets me fired up just thinking about it. Um, You're going to think that you need to do mighty deeds and wonders in the name of Jesus. Why? Because you read in the book of John, Christ says you'll do even greater works than these. People will think that. I thought that. I tried to do it. It didn't work. Um, You're going to think that you need to go and make disciples of all nations. Why? Because that's what Matthew says. But that wasn't for you. Okay? Okay? Um, you're going to think that you're going to need to follow Christ. Why? Because 22 times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Christ says, follow me. Well, who is he speaking to? Well, he's speaking to the nation of Israel. Who was following him? Jews. Who were they going to? The lost sheep of the house of Israel. You couldn't follow Jesus Christ today if you wanted to. Why? Because he's at the right hand of God, physically. I'm talking about they literally followed him. You know, and then when we get to Paul twice in the Book of Corinthians, he says, "Follow me as I am also after Christ." Uh, let's go there. Uh, I'm misquoting it. I don't like it when I do that. First um, Corinthians chapter eleven, verse one: "Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ." Okay, you follow Paul. You're following after Christ. Well, today you can't follow Paul literally. Why? Because Paul's at the right hand of God. So when we get to the book of Ephesians, let's go there. Ephesians chapter 5. What's he tell them? In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. So today you want to follow God. You're going to need to understand the Apostle Paul and his letters and everything that was written to you. And since we can't follow him, God gave us some samples today, and I'm getting ahead of myself, that we could mark. People that are living according to Paul's epistles. And it's called the Doctrine After Godliness. You need to find guys that are, you know, preaching the gospel of Christ, that believe the Bible is the Word of God, that uh, Paul's our apostle and that you need to rightly divide the word of truth. Those are the guys you want to mark and follow because we need examples. We need guides, okay um, if you don't rightly divide the word of truth, you're always going to question who then can, shall be saved I told I said that before three times you'll see that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. who can be saved? <laughs> um, and then the last part. If you don't know how to rightly divide the word truth, you're going to think faith without works is dead. Why would you think that? Because that's what James says. Because Israel was under a works-based system. They had to do works of righteousness. If they didn't do those works of righteousness, guess what? They weren't saved. Today, under Paul, the work of the cross is all we need. The faith of Christ is who we live by. Go to Galatians 2, verse twenty. Galatians 2, verse 20, Paul, writing, he says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law... Christ is dead in vain. So Paul says whose faith did he live by? He lived by the faith of the Son of God. He didn't live by his faith. And this is why I said you need a King James Bible because there's only one word that they change in that. And they change that faith of Christ to faith in Christ. They change his faith that you live by to your faith. And I'm telling you, I tried to live by my faith and it didn't work out very well for me. But when I found out the truth of God and what the true Word of God says, that I live by His faith, it was the most liberating thing. That's the joy and freedom and security and the hope that we have in Christ. It's a wonderful thing. So if you don't have a guide, this is my conclusion, wrapping it up. If you don't have a guide, you need to get one. Why? Go to Acts chapter 9. So, notice, I'm not in Paul's epistles, but I'm going to Acts 9. Why? Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable. So, in Acts chapter 9, notice in verse 30 and 31, there is an Ethiopian that was going um, to Jerusalem to worship. He was a Gentile that blessed Israel. Why? Because he was over here, he understood how God was working in times past. We hadn't gotten to the Apostle Paul yet. Um, and in, well, we did get to him, but he hadn't taken the front seat. Anyways, verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, saying, Understandest thou what thou readest? So this Gentile, Ethiopian guy was reading out of Isaiah. And he said, How can I, except son man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with them. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb done before his shear, so open not his mouth. And basically expounds him and explains Christ. Okay? That was chapter 10. 10. Oh, that I... Chapter 8. Eight. Oh, 8. Sorry. Chapter 8, verse 30 and 31. Um, so... The guy's like, how can I know what I'm reading unless I have a guide? That's the point I want to make. You need a guide, okay? Now, um, why do you need a guide? Turn to Philippians 4. Notice in verses 17 through 21. Paul writes, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have for us, an example for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are, they, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So he's saying, hey, look, again, follow me. Don't follow Peter, James, and John, or the twelve. And you need to mark those that are following me. Why? So you have an example of how to study and how we ought to live. And he tells us that there are many that are walking as the enemies of Christ. Everything that I said earlier, they're not listening to Paul's letters, they're not listening to his words, they're trying to listen to the words over here, they're trying to listen to the words over there, and that they're enemies of Christ, essentially. That's what Paul tells them in Romans. I'm sorry, I'm going off script. We've got to go to Romans. Uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 28. Romans 11, verse 28. Talking about Israel. Okay? These guys over here. These guys over there. As concerning the gospel... Which gospel? The gospel of Christ. Not the gospel of the kingdom of God. The gospel of the uncircumcision. Not the gospel of the circumcision. As concerning the gospel... They are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake, for the gifts of calling of God are without repentance. So, as concerning the gospel of the uncircumcision, those guys over there, Israel, they're your enemies. Because they don't have this inheritance, they don't have this program of grace that we live under. They would be disobeying if they tried to listen to Paul's doctrine over here and over there. And vice versa, that's why you need to rightly divide the word of truth. That's the whole entire point why we're talking about this. So why do you need guides? You need to mark guys that are faithful, uh, that are listening to Paul. They are living out the doctrine after godliness. Uh, go to Second Timothy chapter two. Second Timothy chapter two, verses one and two. Thou, therefore, my son, Paul writing to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me, not Peter, James, and John, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You're not supposed to just keep this thing that we're telling you, this glorious gospel of Christ, for yourself. No. You're supposed to share it with others, and you need to learn how to share it with others. How can you share it with others if you haven't learned it yet? That's why you need to mark examples. That's why we meet. That's why we grow together in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. So, you've got examples. You've got faithful men. Let's talk about the joy. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. It is a joy to know that you are saved and sealed and it's all paid for in full. It's a joy. And anybody that is living after what we're saying, rightly dividing, Paul's our apostle, the Bible's the word of God, preaching the gospel of the grace of case of God and the gospel of Christ, they're going to tell you that you have that sealing. And why? Because they got it from Paul. Paul's the one that told us three times that you're sealed. And it's a joy. We're not waiting for it. I mean, it's the greatest thing that you could ever do for yourself is receive that gift of salvation, that free gift of Christ paying for it in full. You might have heard it your whole entire life, but have you believed it? You know, that's a question you might need to ask yourself. Um, let's talk about the hope. Turn to Colossians one five. Colossians one five. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have ye heard before in the word of truth of the gospel? This isn't like a hope for, like, I hope this is going to happen. It's like, no, we we know this is coming. And we are members of the body of Christ. It's a great mystery of his flesh and of his bones. One day Christ is going to come back on the clouds. We're going to be up there. We'll be caught up together with the Lord in the air. We're going to be with him forever in heaven. And that's amazing. And there's some things in here that you can dig. I'm telling you, there's so much that you can learn from, from the Bible. And uh, we're going to be learning until the day we die. And we're going to be learning, quite honestly, like after the day we die. There's so much to, to discover. Um, let's talk about the freedom that comes with this. Go to Romans 6, 18. Romans six eighteen. Being then made free from sin ye became the servants of righteousness. Jump to verse 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Jump to Romans 8 chapter 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And last but not least, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. There's freedom that comes with knowing the truth. You don't need to be afraid of the Word of God. That's why I'm hitting on the freedom right now. Galatians 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Once you get this truth... Once you understand grace and rightly dividing, you, that you there, there's freedom that comes with it, you need to be aware that there are people that are going to try and bring you back under bondage. And you, you yourself might even try and bring yourself back under the bondage. You know? Um, so, let's talk about the security. And this is where we'll leave it with and we'll wrap up. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse Verse. We'll start in verse uh, 21. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ, and hath anointed us in God, who hath sealed us, and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So God sealed us with the Spirit in our hearts. That's one instance. Go to Ephesians 1, 13. Ephesians 1 13, in whom ye also trusted talking about trusting in Christ after that ye heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom after also after that ye believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory so it's the second time Paul tells us that we're sealed with with that Holy Spirit of promise. And last but not least, Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So, you need a guide. You need to find someone that's preaching that the Bible is the Word of God. I don't care who it is. You need to find a preacher, a teacher, that is preaching the Gospel of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he's buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that it's for by grace are you saved through faith, and that, uh, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You need to find someone that is saying, hey, Paul is our apostle for today, as the apostle of the, the only apostle of the Gentiles in the scriptures. And that's what God's doing today. It's the dispensation of the grace of God that was committed to Paul to us Gentiles. And last but not least, you need to find a guide that's going to show you how to rightly divide the word of truth. I already showed you the basics. All right? And you need to understand, Paul's letters are hard to understand. That's why you need a guide. That's what Peter writes. He says, "...even as our beloved brother Paul, which in all his epistles, which are hard to be understood, which the unlearned and unstable rest unto their own destruction." People people are going to be preaching out of Paul's epistles today. You could still see it. But still, that doesn't mean that just because they might be preaching Paul's, they understand it. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, so let's end in 1 Corinthians 14, where we started. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, Let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. And I'm going to end it with uh, this. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Look, our duty, our job today is to preach the Word. We're supposed to present the Gospel of Christ, and we can point them into it, but at the end of the day, if they don't want the truth, if they want to choose their religion... Paul tells tells them right then and right here, if you're not going to listen to Paul, they're not going to listen to you speaking the words of Paul, which really aren't the words of Paul, it's the words of Christ. Well, guess what? Let them be ignorant. It's not on you to change their mind. So, I've really enjoyed the study. I hope you uh, have been encouraged and have learned something new. As always, uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you saw the value in what we're doing, I encourage you to like, comment, and share this so that others can partake in it. Thank you so much. <clears throat> <clears throat> yes. Amen